today we finalize our look into the next prophet with the story of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5. We've looked at important figures like Elijah and Elisha. But we don't want to neglect the thousands who carried God's message in Israel as well during that time. Second Kings. Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him a message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not the Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleaned? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all of his descendants, all of his attendants, went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, 
I will accept, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings uh, and sacrifice to any other God but the Lord. All over social, we see advice and recommendations. Have you heard the song? Have you seen the movie? Have you eaten at the restaurant? I will say there are a few local restaurants that I'm particularly fond of right now. Just ask me where the best burrito in the United States is, I will tell you. But I'll leave that out for now because no unsponsored plugs here. Arcola has, uh, for about a year and a half, uh, been home to the best cola in all the land. I decided to make a scale based off of it, and I think at one point it had reached a 9.5. Um, it certainly dominated uh, Tuscola's Coca-Cola, the one at McDonald's in Arcola. Quite good. Um, I think there was just something wrong with the mix, actually, and the syrup ended up at the bottom more, but it was incredible. I developed a scale. It was a 10-point scale, and uh, Jenny helped me work on it. Uh, five is getting what you paid for. So at a dollar eight, um, a five is like, okay, I got my dollar eight worth. And anywhere above there went 20 cent increments. So um, a nine would be like, I would be willing to pay a dollar 80 for this thing. Um, whereas a zero means I should have been given it for free. This also opens itself up to negatives and 11s, um, where they may have uh, required payment to get me to take the Coke from them. <laughs> However, I will say over the past few months, uh, the rating has declined. I believe the last one I gave was a five. I feel like I got what I ordered. It was a good run while it lasted. When you've got something good, you want to tell people about it, and we do that. Just like this little girl shares with Naaman in the story today. Naaman receives a recommendation, and he takes that advice and goes to Israel. I find it ironic in this story that the king of Israel seems to be the only one oblivious to God's power. Everyone else in the story, even an opposing king, is quick to say, we should try out this God thing. Maybe it's fitting that the king and kings of this nation wouldn't recognize a higher power in Israel. Naaman in the story experiences the real God for the first time. 
and it changes his life. He cannot go back to the same. He comes initially with payment. Grand wealth with which he might buy this healing. When payment is not accepted, he still receives his healing and then comes and brings it as tribute. But still tribute of wealth is not what Elisha or God would accept. So Naaman did the ultimate thing and he gave his life as a tribute to God. There once was a young girl living in a tiny village at the outskirts of the country. She lived in a terrible war-torn area. While fighting was usually far enough away and normally not something to worry about, on this day, the enemy advanced with exceeding ferocity and fighting arrived in her hometown. War being what it was, especially with civilians involved, there were many casualties. One can only imagine the terrible things that happened to women and children with no position to fight back. Alas, the battle came to her house. Would she be killed? Perhaps death isn't so bad when she considered what may happen to her in captivity. No, she wasn't killed, but was taken as plunder to a foreign land, spoils of war, to become a servant to a wealthy general's wife. Now, while this general was very important in his own land, he also had a terrible disease. The young girl wasn't very familiar with his affliction, partially because people so afflicted back home would be ostracized and forbidden to contact the healthy. This man seemed to try everything, exhausting every resource to try to find a cure, but all his wealth and influence couldn't buy him healing. One day, while longing for her homeland, the slave girl remembered the story of Joseph in prison. He was a hero, larger than life, in touch with God in a way people of her time weren't. He was once imprisoned as well, but he prophesied to those around him, and that led to his own freedom. Well, she thought, there's a man back home who used to cure all kinds of people. Maybe if I share this, I too may see my homeland again. So she told her mistress of this man, a wild man, dressed funny, who healed all kinds of people, and he may be able to heal the general too. The general must have been desperate to even consider listening to the suggestion of a slave who was a child, who was a girl. Things weren't like they are today. Slaves were low. Children were low. And girls were low. The general, upon hearing this, figured it was worth a try. 
But this man she spoke of was an enemy in a foreign land, follower of a foreign god. I will bring great treasure with me as a peace offering. Perhaps I can buy safety in this land. And with leave from the king, he set out to find the prophet. Surely such a man, if truly powerful, would be in the king's court. So he made his way to the capital city. But when he arrived, the king did not find these gifts flattering. He saw them as an insult. If you can show me the power of your God through miracles, I will give you these gifts. Was this a threat? Was he trying to suggest that, the, that his God's power was unproven, especially since God didn't deliver victory to this foreign king in the past? But the prophet heard the king's distress and asked for the general to be sent to him. The general went to this prophet and presented him with these gifts. But the prophet took no interest in the gifts. In fact, he didn't even go visit the general, but gave instructions to bathe in a river seven times. Can I not bathe in the rivers back home? How is this different than what I've already tried? But with persuasion from his assistants, the commander relented and did as the prophet instructed. He bathed six times in the river with no result. And then on the seventh try, just as the prophet suggested, he was cured. Overjoyed, he did not head straight back home, but took a 50-mile journey back to the prophet's house and begged him to take the gifts he had offered before. But still the prophet stubbornly resisted. I've seen power in this land that I've seen nowhere else. I indeed see that there is no God in all the world except in this land. Truly this power is not a commodity to be bought and sold. May I take soil from this country so that I may worship its God as if I were here. So he filled the baskets of two mules with this earth to be brought home with him. When he was still off in the distance, those at home could see that the general's animals were still loaded down with all the wealth he had left with. Surely this was not good. Dread came over the little servant girl. What happens to a little worthless slave girl who makes her master look like a fool? But when he got closer, she recognized the rich, fertile soil of home on the mules and a man whose life was changed. All she did was share a small message about a powerful God. Earlier, we read from Luke 10. Jesus sends out 72 men to go into the towns before him. They went ahead so that people might know and hear about Jesus and come to see him. He asked them to prepare the way. When they spoke the name of Jesus, there was power in it. It changed lives. 
it pushed back the enemy. There's still power in that name. Say that name in public. We're fine with a billion Hindu gods. We're asked not to offend Muhammad. But Jesus, if we do more than suggest him as an option, we're in trouble. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Try that message on for a while. There's no other way. And and Naaman saw it. Jesus is not an option among many gods. If we suggest he's the only true God in all the world, we put ourselves at risk. The name of Jesus is offensive. And suddenly we're under scrutiny. Yes, there's power in the name of Jesus. For this reason, sharing Jesus is both simple and hard. Being a prophet is not about us. It's showing people God, telling what they need to hear. The idea of being a prophet makes us uncomfortable. We don't want to put ourselves out there like that. Being a prophet is some woo-woo thing, like claiming you have special powers. And we're not so bold as to suggest, or proud to suggest, that about ourselves. Does anyone in the Bible even take the self-proclaimed title of prophet? Few, if any, claim the title of prophet. We read afterward, and the author calls them prophets, but rarely would anyone say, listen to what I have to say, I am a prophet. Those people tended to be the kind of prophet of a different God than the one we are familiar with. And their words were as hollow as their titles. God's prophets say what needs to be heard. God gives a word that people need to hear. And if people would heed God's warning, then the wrong, then the bad would not turn out to happen. Most often, they didn't heed the warning. And the event would indeed come to pass. Usually something terrible for Israel. But when the word startles a nation into action, well, the bad event doesn't happen because they followed the corrective measures and were spared by God's mercy. Man's ego gets in the way. It's tough work giving bad news to people only to feel like a failure if what you said doesn't come true. Just ask Jonah. When he's sitting under that tree after prophesying doom and gloom for the people of Nineveh. 
He told them exactly what they needed to hear. And they were changed because of it. And he was wrong because of it. In 1 Kings 19, we learn that Elijah wasn't the only prophet. Indeed, there were thousands to carry forward the message and work of God. Last week, we learned as Christ's body, we are heirs to Jesus' prophetic work. Today, we find that our work to, is to lead people to Jesus. And he will take up the transformational work in their lives. We can get lost in the grandiose nature of stories like Naaman's. Heinous disease, incredible wealth, bewildered king, miracle-working prophet, 180-degree life transformation, and miss the young girl telling about a healer who made it all possible. It's not complicated. It's not a superpower. It's so simple, an insignificant slave girl can do it. Please pray with me. Lord, may you move through Arthur Mennonite Church. Make us bold before leaders and our friends to share a simple message. May we step aside, pushing our ego away, and recognize that all we have to do is show Jesus. Grant, him, grant us the wisdom, willingness, and ability to do this. Lord, we thank you for the food that you have blessed us with today. May it bring nourishment to our soul. May our conversation bring this congregation to life. We pray all this in your name. Amen. You may depart in peace.